Let's go. Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, like Jerry Springer. Woo. Thank you for doing that because it's a bunch of BS. As I said last week, Jerry's not here. Jerry is not, not on vacation. Jerry is recording episodes of Judge Jerry. Working hard. Working hard, preparing cases. As I mentioned last week, we goof around with Jerry a lot. We love Jerry, but Jerry is an attorney, former mayor, super smart guy. And he is a, to be honest, a legit judge. Is Judge Judy was. In fact, I'll tell you real fast how that works if you don't know. You, if you agree to be on the show, you sign a form that says that Judge Judy should now retire or Judge Jerry, or all these other TV judges, that's the verdict. You can't go back to your local court and appeal it. Right. And so people who, I guess, want to be on television will do this. And Jerry has one of the leading uh, judge shows. He's in what, one in maybe his third season or so. At mm-hmm. three. So anyway, that's where Jerry is. So Jerry and I and the team decided, what the heck, instead of, of just doing reruns, which we normally would do, let's do... I was going to go do this stupid ass bike ride. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm sending back reports from the road. So the bit is called Riding Down America. So uh, my friend and I, Dr. Larry Gray, started in Whitefish, Montana, which is up near Canada. So it's top of Montana. We've ridden, I don't know, this, I don't have to forget how many days. We, we left on Amtrak on the 26th of June. Took an Amtrak for a couple of days out to Whitefish, unloaded the bikes, laid over in a motel, got up and started heading south. So we have now ridden the length of Montana. We're pretty much camping every night except for podcast night. And we go in and wash our clothes and we take showers at all these, uh, many of the campgrounds. Yeah, uh, Camping, by the way, in a variety of places, uh, national forests, national parks, like Yellowstone, Grand Teton National Park, where we've been most recently. Uh, we stayed in RV, really kind of cool places, uh, RV campgrounds where they have, I don't know why they have a tent area, but if cyclists roll up cycling cross country, they say, heck yeah, camp over there. Right. <laughs> Pay them a few bucks. Mm-hmm. We've stayed at a, an American Legion a field next to a little building that they have for cyclists in uh, what's uh, a city park in Twin Bridges, Montana. Uh, side, big side yard of a fairgrounds in a town. So all kinds of places. So we've ridden now the length of Montana. We're now into Wyoming. We're wow. in Jackson, Wyoming, which is at the bottom of Grand Teton National Park. We've ridden getting pretty close to 700 miles. We're anxious mm. to hit a thousand before we stop or more. Yeah. Um, we have no exit plan, which was uh, dumb. And <laughs> we always knew that that was going to give us trouble wherever we, unless we just ride home, which will take another month or two. 
Mm. And not not really what we plan to do. So we're trying to now move this party east. So we've really done a good chunk of the west and the plains, prairies, mountains, and it's been incredible. If we can get this thing worked out to rent something that we can fit two bikes in, we're going to go east and then probably finish this off riding the width of Kentucky. Oh, which wow. Is about 400 miles at least as far as Berea, Kentucky, where my wife will swing down and pick us up in my SUV with uh, my bike rack on the back. That's only a couple hours away. That's correct. Uh, So today, by the way, was probably today's July 13th. And we're sitting in Jackson, Wyoming. Cool town, ski town, by the way. Uh, yeah. Jackson Hole is here, has the highest vertical drop in North America. It has a number of ski areas, and it's, it's all set up as, it's just this cool, I don't know what it was, maybe a mining town years ago, mm-hmm. but one of these cowboy towns we've been in, just hip stuff everywhere. It's sort of a half-assed, uh, uh, what, a Breckenridge or something, that mm. or uh, Aspen or something. It's not what's, the, what's the elevation there? I would, <clears throat> I would guess that it's easily 6,000. Yeah. Two days ago, we went over a pass 8,900. It's the highest we've been, mm-hmm. uh, 8,900. Uh, no snow. Yeah, there's patches of snow a lot of places, and we're seeing, you know, mountains around us. You see patches of snow up there. And um, so, but today, man, we came through, Grand Teton National Park. And if you've never been out here, it's it's jaw-dropping. It's stunning. And it's um, I guess it's that way because it's kind of small. Uh, mm. Go through Yellowstone. Yellowstone's a huge body of land. And it, it, it the top blew off of, of a, a volcano many years ago in Yellowstone and created what's called a caldera. Okay. which is high plains, flat land that used to be a volcano. So if you picture a volcano and out the top, if it's active, you got the steam and, and uh, al- alumni, I guess I've seen in Alaska, and there's always steam coming out of the top. It's just the way it is. But uh, in uh, Yellowstone, it blew up some years ago. And now it's flat the mountain's gone but all of these gases that are in the earth from the volcano are still coming up hence you have old faithful and these fields of geysers and and they in yellowstone you you walk on boardwalks across this field and you sure as heck don't want to get off the boardwalk because the earth is truly boiling Okay. And you can smell the sulfur, sulfur odors and you see the steam just coming up. It's a very freaky and amazing uh, landscape. So we saw all that and, and then we came to, uh, to Grand Tetons. And the Grand Teton Mountains are, and the way the history was, is they, they created in the late 1800s the first national park, which was Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And then they came years later and said, oh, we left off some really good stuff south of here, these Grand Teton Mountains, which are newer mountains, more jagged, not smoothed over by the 
passage of time and, and the effects of atmosphere, rain and snow and wind. Yeah. And so they're very dramatic. And when you ride, and again, we're riding bikes, so we're riding at 10, 15 miles an hour. So everything's in slow motion. Mm-hmm. So you see uh, Moran is, uh, I believe that's the name of one of the mountains. And then you come upon the two jagged uh spires that are called the tetons and uh they're you watch them for for a half a day because you're on a bike so it's moving so slowly and you keep looking and then then you're looking over your shoulder looking at it from a different perspective and so it's grand teton national park is truly magical we camp in that park last maybe the last two nights Mm -hmm. and Yellowstone, three in the morning, wolves started howling. And I know on the back country a lot in the West and in Alaska. And sometimes you might confuse wolves for coyotes. These mm-hmm. were, and this is a wolf country. It's Yellowstone National Park. So it's uh, chilling and wonderful to realize that you're, you know, not far from where you're sleeping are these wolves just living their lives. So um, we saw elk. We didn't see any uh, herds of bison, which the other times I've been here, I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and by the way, the Teton Mountains, they are very sublime, majestic. But we've had them on this trip have had to look at them through a filter of wildfire smoke oh, no. because wildfires burning in Idaho, which is very close to here, Colorado, not far from here, Montana. We saw fires in Montana, not, couldn't see the fires burning, but we saw smoke pretty close to where we were camping. Whoa. But the impact of wildfires, and they've sent in hot shots there because we've seen helicopters passed over where they're hauling in water and dropping off hot shots. So they're trying to protect cabins. Locals told us they, they know this topography. But the, the, when, when you're in the back country, and this happened to me in Alaska a number of times, and fires are happening, Sadly, the views are all different. They're very filtered. They're hazy. It's like putting mm. a filter for a camera. Okay. They're not as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet, uh, still pretty damn good. So, mm-hmm. right, uh, we've seen that. But by the way, I want to mention some of the people since we last talked a week ago. We run into one of the fun things about being on the Trans-America Bike Trail, which was formed back in the 70s. And it is an established route on two-lane roads. It's not on dirt. That's the Great Divide Trail that runs from Canada to Mexico. It crosses the Trans-America Bike Trail. Number, we've been camping with a lot of people on the Great Divide Trail because they'll come off the dirt roads, which are fire roads and single track pass out in the forest or in the desert or whatever and then they'll come over and camp where we're camping and then they'll dodge back up to those dirt trails yeah but we so we've met people on that trail but uh since we last talked i've met a lot of people uh take this guy uh i met him in uh yellowstone his name's michael he's a retired attorney from seattle he decided when he retired that he was going to, you know, you hear about people getting a van mm-hmm. and just putting their stuff in a van and just touring. This guy's all he's got is a bicycle <laughs> and, and the bags on the back. And for four and a half years, 
He's traveled 42,000 miles all over the world Incredible. on a bicycle. Wow. And I met him in Yellowstone just by saying, dude, where are you going? Because mm-hmm. he was on his bike and I'm on mine. We're kind of standing over our bikes that we had just watched Old Faithful erupt. And he said, I don't know. I'm, I'm heading up. Uh, I'm going up into Canada. And I said, where you been? And he says, well, total. And yeah. And he says, well, I've been out for 42,000 miles. My goodness. 42,000 miles, four and a half years. Incredible. And he just loves this lifestyle. Then I met uh, yesterday a young woman named Dora who is who rode from uh, Yorktown, Virginia, which is like Washington, D.C. She's on her way to Astoria, Oregon, where the trail ends at the Pacific Ocean, where the Columbia River runs in. Hold on a second. What, Dr. Gray? What do we got? Hey, hold we on. Got a huge SUV Let's take it. Oh, it's gone. We got what it. What company? Uh, Hertz. They called me back from Utah. They heard out we were in trouble. So they called me back. That's <laughs> just character. <laughs> Breaking news. We got a vehicle. <laughs> Yay. Big Armada. Oh, we can do that. Big All right. We got it. Okay. We just solved the logistical problem. We've been trying <laughs> to find our best deal, by the way. It, we're trying to get, we're not anxious to get out of the West. Don't get me wrong, but we get it. Figure out how the hell we're getting home, and my wife didn't run. <laughs> so uh, and, and I called the uh, asked the lifeguard, Doctor Shran. Yeah. I, I hang out with these guys that are doctors, and they demand that I call them doctor. <laughs> they get pissed off about. Hey, Greg, I told you, <laughs> Doctor Shran. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we called Doctor Shran and said. Hey, uh, go pick up my SUV. It's got the bike rack on it. Come out and get us. And he said, I, I'm not doing that. Dead in like Montana or something. That's not happening. <laughs> anyway, we just got a, a big old SUV and we'll throw the bikes in the back and 400 a day. Oh my God. Dude, that's a lot of money. We had to drive fast. Yeah. <laughs> that out yeah anyway that's a good deal because the alternative was to rent a moving truck yeah like a big old u-haul mm-hmm. that was going to cost thousands oh, to drive. No. so anyway we're gonna do that so uh anyway i met dora and dora is riding like i say from york the transamerica trail goes from astoria oregon to Yorktown, Virginia. And she, we, so we met her in the Tetons. And so she had ridden from the, from the Atlantic Ocean and, and we met her in the Tetons. So she's telling me, and another dude that was camping with us, see, we're camping in these things called hyper biker campsites. Okay. So the way this works is, you can't camp in any national park. Uh, They're all filled up yeah. unless you arrive early in the morning at one of the first come first serve sites. And when somebody rolls out, you grab it real fast. So there's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. You can play that game on a bike. So every park we roll into and every national forest campground we roll into, there's a big sign that says fold. Most people would turn around and leave. Mm-hmm. We just roll into the campground. And they look at us and say, 
yeah, come on in. How you doing? Great. Just go over here to this place. And they point out the hiker biker campsites. Thank goodness. They are reserved for the idiots who are willing to walk <laughs> or ride across America. They're like, if you're stupid enough to do that, we got you covered. Sure enough, we are every night that we've stopped, they just say, come on in. And so when you roll in there, you're with all these other stupid people who have all their gear on their bikes. <laughs> and then the conversation starts. So Dora and this other guy who, who I can't remember his name, he's in a race on a different route than the Transamerica, but it's near it. And he was camping. We were camping. So they told me about a guy named uh, Craig. K-R-A-I-G something. Hmm. And by the way, let me interject. If you're watching on Facebook Live and you want to make a comment or ask a question, put it in the comments and David will read it and he'll interrupt and and we'll, we'll get you on the air through your comments. Yeah, Lynn Gray's watching, Andy Boer's watching, Albert Cato's watching, Jerry Galvin's watching, Michael A.J. Norris is watching. Okay, hello to all of them. I bet my damn brother wouldn't drive. Now, let me ask you, Jerry Galvin, would you drive out to Jackson, Wyoming and pick us up? So put your answer in the comment, David, <laughs> writes yes or no. Anyway, and by the way, I will pay the gas and split the motel bill for the places you stay. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> um, they tell me about Craig, somebody who... I mean, back up a step. The Trans America Trail, the trail we've been riding on. When we go to Kentucky, mm -hmm. we're going to be on it again. We're oh, just nice. moving east. We're staying on the Trans America Trail. Great. It goes across Kentucky and it goes across Kansas and Missouri and goes through Colorado. It does all that. Mm -hmm. West Virginia, Virginia uh, to Yorktown. Wow. Every year, every summer, they have a race. So you got the people like me and Dora and others who are riding the trail. But then you also have on a set day, a bunch of people in Astoria, Oregon, who ceremoniously break through a ribbon and head for Yorktown, Virginia. You got the picture? Ah. And they're all busting ass to see who can get to Yorktown, Virginia first. Wow. They are not allowed to have anybody support them. Mm. They can't have a van rolling along and every night fixing new states and all that. Mm. Like I have seen right. in campgrounds. Flamping. I stayed in a campground in Montana where there was a guy, two people riding uh, the Great Divide Trail, and they had uh, a, whole, a big uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz van and all the gear. So on this race I'm talking about on the Transamerica, no support is permitted. You have to buy your own food. You have to sleep where you're going to sleep. You have to stay on the route. They put a GPS on you to know you didn't cheat. Ah. And you got to bust ass for Yorktown. How many days do you think it took Craig, dude named Craig? I didn't have, I forgot to look up his last name. This summer to go from Astoria, Oregon to Yorktown, Virginia. When uh, I'd say if, number, what do you think? How many? Well, if the US is about 2,500 miles wide, 
he's doing say 50 miles a day that would be like uh 50 into 2000 would be like a thousand or something like that a thousand day he did the race in 17 days oh my god she told me that and i said i can't get my brain around that Jesus. 17 days he rode across america Holy averaging god. 250 miles a day and in the saddle she met him she wow. talked to him as he was in america she said hey, you want a taco he says no i can't i can't do that Oh my God! And he, she said, he's adamant. I'll be about being in the saddle, eighteen hours a day Ooh. riding. That's What's serious. that? Like six hours to lay your head down somewhere. Oh my God! That is hardcore. Did it seventeen days, and the second per person who came in second, when she talked to Craig, the number two guy was one hundred and fifty miles behind him. He came in the next day. And so that's now I said to Dora, because she's just like rolling along. And so I met her in the Teton. So she's gone, I don't know, much what more than two thirds of the trip. Mm -hmm. And so I said, how many days is it going to take you? She says, I think around 77. Wow. 77 will be the normal. And she looked like she was 20 something and fit, uh -huh. riding, you know, doing great. Wow. And you got 77 compared to 17. So that's a world. Record. That's unbelievable. I'm telling you, I, I just think that's uh, impressive. That is impressive. Um, so our, um, and I have something else I want to mention. Nobody else is going to do this. And I'm not, I never, by the way, in all seriousness, I never look at these kinds of activities as, oh, I can do something you can't do because there's most things other people do better than me. I do have probably the grit to get on a bike and ride. And and like I say, no apologies for riding an e-bike because uh, as old as I am and, and it's made, I'm going over these big mountain passes. And, you know, there's no throttle on the bike, but it does help a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, you go over these big passes. but so I don't say this to say, well, why aren't the rest of you doing this? Because the vast majority of people would not think this is fun. Yeah. They think it's cool. They are not drawn to it in any fashion. So it's like to each his or her own. Mm -hmm. But I will make this argument. If you do go out and walk or ride, because I'm riding even with a assist of an e-bike, sometimes as slow as five miles an hour going up over mountains. Then going down the other side, I might get up to 30 going downhill, but that is pretty good because you're flying. You're just going down a big, long. I mean, there's some downs up coming over these passes. that'll be 20 miles long. That's just amazing. That would be so fun. You're doing is holding the bike back with hydraulic brakes. So you don't, you know, something blows, tire blows, you're going to have bad wreck. So, but here's the thing. You're going to roll at an average speed of somewhere around, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten miles an hour. And the point is you then see life, or in this case, America, and in my case at the moment, the spectacular West. You know, these, these spires are our cathedrals. They are our antiquity. These mountains. These geysers, 
these forests, these high alpine meadows, these high plains deserts, these are for me, because I'm a pantheist, this is church for me. These are my cathedrals. These are spiritual yeah. places. Yeah. To see them in slow motion right. on a bike is like what the set, early settlers saw when they walked and walked behind a covered wagon. Because most of those people walked. They didn't ride on horses. They walked. Mm-hmm. They got up in the wagon and took a break as the oxen or horses pulled. And then they got back down and walked some more. And they saw this land in slow motion. And I'm telling you, this has been irreplaceable to be able to, because I have driven across country. I've ridden my Harley over a large portion of the West. Yeah. That's still at 70 miles an hour. This is like at 10 miles an hour. This is like in Lonesome Dove when they push cattle from Texas to Montana. This, this is how you see this landscape. So I will make the point that although nobody's going to do this just because I talked about it, it is, it's amazing to see, to see especially a country like this that yeah. way. Now we're, we got this SUV and I got to start a GoFundMe page, $400 a day. I can't afford that. Jerry what? Springer. I got to start a GoFundMe page. Or I got to call Jerry Springer and say, you got to fund this. So anyway, um, now we're going to go. The plan is we were thinking of either doing the Katy Trail, which runs east-west across Missouri. And that's a rails, the trails trail mm-hmm. small towns and i've been on a piece of it it's lovely but there have been storms there and we hear there's a lot of blowdowns and uh, around so we might avoid that so mm-hmm. probably we're going to do the with kentucky 400 miles and the same point is made now we're not looking at mountains now we're looking at my state i live in kentucky and to see and to go through murfreesboro and elizabethtown mammoth cave eventually to berea kentucky uh, I'm anxious to see that, and I'm anxious to check my own my own impressions of, you know, how how does that strike me compared to the sublime West? Mm-hmm. But that may be where we're headed. Uh, one last thing: when I'm riding, and I imagine Dr. Gray goes through the same thing. You have your thoughts because we're not riding, talking all the time because you can't can't ride side by side. Yeah, and usually set our own pace, and sometimes we're you know wheel to wheel, and sometimes we're spread out. Usually within sight of each other. Mm-hmm. We've been riding with Ryan, disabled that with Parkinson's, and I communicated with him as recently as today. Yeah, he can't. We can't ride as slow as he has to ride. We can't. Our bikes won't work. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's almost walking up these mountains uh, in a recumbent and almost like a lawn chair sitting with his legs out ahead of that's what a recumbent bike is there's no there's no motor on that uh, no motor and it's very slow and but it's how he's doing it he's been camping with us a lot mm. but he's now a day behind us and we we may be and he knows what we're our plan is we may be out of here we may then drop down when he comes to berea dr gray and i might then ride with him some just because he's become our buddy mm. and he's freaked out trump guy by the way He's total Trump. Yeah. I'm total Biden. Mm-hmm. And, and our conversations have been fun and spirited. 
but it makes the point because we don't give a rat's ass when we're, when we're riding about <laughs> anything. Because yeah. he's because his bike broke once and we all had to gather around it and figure and Dr. Gray's very mechanical and he's the one that finally figured it. His mm -hmm. derailment broke and that's on the side of a highway. And and you know, so all of it's still a little bit like the military, you know, you're just trying to problem solve and and uh and enjoying each other's company. Mm -hmm. anyway, as I'm getting lost in my thoughts, I start to think about well, what's the next adventure? And I got something I'm scheming on. But I circle back to something, David, that you know about. And that is the attempt, I, I call it unlimited mileage. Yes. The attempt to set the Guinness Book of Record, though, when I contacted Guinness, they said, get the hell out of here. We don't want any parts. <laughs> but it's setting the record of how many miles you can put on a rental car where they have a big sign saying unlimited mileage. Like oh, yeah. that's a customer benefit rent this car and you turn it in we don't care how many miles you put on it right really? that's right unlimited yeah. like you know we're, we're so generous and so i always thought well the hell with you i'm going to show you what unlimited mileage is so i had this scheme <clears throat> getting two other drivers and we would drive around america and see how many miles in one week without ever sleeping there'd always be a, <laughs> there'd always be a guy in the back sleeping <laughs> And it'd be something like a Lincoln Town Car, not a big SUV where you could lay down. Yeah. You'd have to put your feet out the window, you know. <laughs> you you know? And all the meals would be from McDonald's because they timestamp their receipts. <laughs> the date and time that would be our proof for the Guinness Book. I told the Guinness Book people all of this. They said, get the hell out of here. That's a stupid idea. We don't have part of that. Oh, my goodness. That's very critical. So anyway, I got a new wrinkle. <laughs> Because I'm getting older. I thought, oh, I got to do this before I die. This is my, on my bucket list. <laughs> Here's my latest idea. I, Interstate 275, goes around the greater Cincinnati area. It does. It's a big old circle. Mm -hmm. It goes through three states, Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Tri-state. I would estimate that the circle, if you do it one time, I don't know, 40, 50 miles, maybe. Yeah. Yes, 87 miles. Oh, Dr. Gray says, <laughs> that's a jerk. He he knows, made, he he microbiology is his doctorate. He knows nothing about this. He says, <laughs> anyway, but it might be. You're probably be right. So my idea is this. This would be like the old Pony Express. I need some drivers. You can sleep in your own bed. Oh. And, and like the Pony Express, as we travel the circle freeway, as we call it around Cincinnati, at certain, I would have this all mapped out logistically. By the minute, when we roll into Evendale, a fresh driver jumps in the seat and goes. No stopping. No stopping. <laughs> the person exiting the car. In fact, I would have the stop points be close to their homes. So they could go home, get there. Use Craig as your model who just raced across America in 17 days. You can sleep six hours for this project. That's all you need. You don't need any more than six hours. Craig was 53 years old, according to Dora. Wow. And he, 
slept six hours a night religiously. Incredible. So a fresh driver jumps in, goes home, gets six hours of sleep and meets, you know, and I might have, I don't know, hell, I might organize this. You only have to do one stint. I might have in a week enough drivers, if enough of you people would get off your butts and do something <laughs> with your life and get in touch with me. Comment, world record. Comment, get in touch with David Proust, our <laughs> producer, and sign up on this. This is your chance to row across the North Atlantic or like Cyril, try to go to Hawaii from San Francisco. <laughs> sign up on this damn list and do, a, do your stint. Julie Terry Navari says the loop is 83.71 miles. Hey, Dr. Gray, you were very close. That's <laughs> 83, Julie Navarra <laughs> from Lubbock. I love you, Julie. Congresswoman, uh, pardon me, city councilwoman, <laughs> Julie Navarra looked it up on YouTube, you idiot. You just made up 87. <laughs> Chris Watson is watching and Lynn Gray is watching. Okay, so Lynn Gray is watching. Why doesn't she sign up to drive around I-275? She doesn't say. Brandy Laswell Dixon is watching. Come on, Brandy, sign up. I need drivers. <laughs> it's a we world record. The world record. At Larry Gray's in. <clears throat> we could set the world record or the number of miles on an unlimited mileage rental car driving around Cincinnati's I-275. Good idea. And around, and around. You might get dizzy. Around. Yeah, I'm telling you. Man. It would be, and, we get, and we'd be so pissed off when we hit rush hour traffic. Oh, my people, God. We'd be pounding on the steering wheel saying, we're trying to set a world record here. You people are just trying to get home for some burgers. Get out of my way. There's construction everywhere. I know. I'd have to see if the cops would get in on this and give us an escort. And the Brent Spence Bridge doesn't even work anymore. I know. Oh, my God. There's so many flaws with this plan. This, is, this might be the dumbest idea I've ever had. No, but it I like be that it. dumb. But I, oh, no, this is pretty bad. But I like it more and more. Because, see, these are all problems to be solved. It's just... Because if you can't, look, look, folks, if you can't deal with adversity, then you're only living half a life. Adversity is half of living and figuring out how to deal with adversity. So uh, anyway, I'll circle back to that. And I know Springer won't do it. No. He won't do it because he has no vision. He it's really doesn't. He has no vision. It'd have to be like some high-class car. Yeah, it'd have to be his <laughs> Hey, wouldn't that be cool if he lent us his Bentley? That'd be nice. Hey, Dr. Gray, do the math. If you rode around and around 270. What, what speed? Yeah, if you, well, let's say you rode average speed of with uh, slowdowns 50. Around and around for 24 hours a day for seven days. How many miles would that put on Jerry Springer's Bentley? <laughs> Hell, it probably put, I bet it'll put 30,000 miles on. He probably never drives that thing anyways. And then we'd have to stop to have oil change. <laughs> yeah, we have to pull into a jiffy loop or something. Then. Come on, dude. Go, go. Get come the on. tires come changed. On. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. That's all 1,200 miles? 
for seven days. Oh. Seven? Yeah. Now I want I want some. Eighty four hundred miles. He says eighty four hundred miles. I want to hit. I want to hit ten thousand. There you go. Oh, ten days. Anyway, so that's why you ride a bike out west because it helps you uh, dream. It's fun to see your exhilaration. It's really yeah. romantic. You got to have vision. You got to have vision. You know, you got to. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Harold uh, Tucker is watching. Do you want to say anything about the uh, what happened to the lady last week in the Bear Country? Oh man, they, they that that story's been the buzz out here. It really, has been the buzz. A lot locals. Well, first of all, let me let me recap the story. A cyclist riding on the Great Divide Trail. I've learned more from California. Riding with other riders, her ride of a dream of a lifetime to come out and ride the Great Divide Trail from Mexico, pardon me, from Canada to Mexico on dirt. Yeah. That trail that parallels the one I'm on, on back roads. And they camp near where we camp, but a few nights past us. And uh, sadly, stupidly, they had food in their tent, in their tent. She was in a solo tent. I'm in a solo tent. Dr. Gray's in a solo tent. And they were camped in, in near a town, in a town. I mean, I've camped in some campsites. We've camped in some campsites that has the name of a town. And the town might be a little country store with a campsite behind it. Mm -hmm. So that's the town. And a few houses that are right around that. So they were in one of those kinds of campgrounds. And a bear came to their campground, that campground and uh, snooped around their tents and they saw the bear yeah. and they chased, it's a grizzly bear and they chased the bear off. And then they removed the food from their tents. They said, this is all according to news reports done by local journalists, so they get the story. Mm -hmm. They said, uh, we better get the food out of our tents and they did. But bears, and I've worked around a lot of bears in Alaska, volunteer work that I've done, Dr. Gray has done the same work, is that mm -hmm. they learn behavior and they, they associate those odors with that tent. And the food now is gone, but the bear didn't, doesn't, it, it's not like a human. Oh, they it's already, it. yeah, it's already associated food with that place. That place has food. Yeah. And that bear came back, tore into that tent and mauled that woman and she died of her injuries. They then set traps for that bear because their instincts are the wildlife officials we got to get that bear because if it's killed a human once then it may that may become a habit and so mm -hmm. that's the bear and and that, those are the bears they put down <clears throat> so they went uh they tried to trap it no success then they uh lured it to a chicken coop that it had broken into and when it came back, they put it down. They shot it. Okay. So that's the ending of that story. But even talking to Dora in uh, the campground in uh, Grand Teton National Park, <clears throat> she was pretty uh, alert. I'll, I'll yeah. put it that way. I wouldn't say she was freaked out. But she was very alert and very concerned about bears. And everybody's asking, are you carrying spray? And she had mm. spray. And we got spray. And you know, everybody going through bear country uh has that and um 
So anyway, that doesn't bring this woman back to life, but that's how the story ends. Um, Her demise was pretty quick, it sounds like, if it went through the tent, shredded it. (laughs) Yeah. They they don't really actually eat humans. They just are upset, and they're just trying to thrash them around, I guess. Well, you know, not to upset people, but there are bears that are anomaly bears that kill and eat people and bury parts of them, cache them as they call that, and then defend that uh, burial area because they'll go back and feed more. <clears throat> so bears have been known. It's unusual. Okay. But you can't rule it out. Uh, in her case, they don't know what the bear was doing. It might have just you know tried to get the food and found her and got don't know freaked out and they they repelled the bear then when they heard her screaming with bear spray but the damage was she didn't die on the spot i think she airlifted her and she succumbed do you remember the podcast we did several years ago with a woman from pineville kentucky this exact same thing happened to there was no food in her tent Mm -hmm. that was just a rogue bear that tore into a tent and mauled her and She's got the scars, both physical and mental, to prove it. Yeah. And uh, they let that bear get away by they repelled it. And that was in Gates of the Arctic National Park, where I have backpacked. Mm-hmm. I know that land. And that's when you get dropped off there with a bush plane, which is what she did. Yeah. And I was flown in by the same bush pilot uh, a year or two before her. You're on your own out there. And, uh, and they had a shotgun and they had bear spray. And they didn't use the first, and I felt they should have. I think they should have killed that bear on the spot, but the guides of the organization that were let her there did not do that. You could tell it was very hard for her to talk about, like even though that happened like some years ago. She still just you could just tell reliving that experience was very difficult. Very difficult to this day. And um, but anyway. So we're uh, we're still in well we're in a we're in the Antler Inn, beautiful downtown. Um, I'm gonna sh- turn this around and show you. Man, this place is cool. Mm-hmm. On the window of the Antler Inn in Jackson, Wyoming. Fine. John McGue is watching, and Cindy Alexander is watching. All right. We thank you guys very much for watching. This has always been fun for us to do from the road. We'll do another one next week. And I'm guessing we'll be somewhere crossing Kentucky. Wow. Uh, we can tonight, seven uh, Eastern time. And again, I, I truly appreciate the people who watch and appreciate the people, uh, majority of whom will hear this in an archive. And, and last thing is I've been telling people that I've run into along the way, who are these other cyclists heading in both directions. Hey, I'm doing, you know, it, it's hilarious, David. I say, I do this podcast and they go, oh yeah, I'm listening to podcasts all the time while I'm riding with your podcast. And I say, now you're going to laugh. And I say, it's the Jerry Springer podcast. And they go, oh, no way. <laughs> that guy, the TV guy. Uh-huh. I go, yeah. Then I tell him the backstory and I knew him from politics in Cincinnati when he was mayor, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. They all think that's a hoop. So, uh, uh shalom if you're listening hey dora if you're listening tim if you're listening these are some of the people uh ryan who just might tune in sometime because they know that i may be dropping their names and uh 
I told Dora last night, I said, well, I don't know if you tune in because she was uh nobo as we call it northbound we're so but mm-hmm. southbound although she's going to swing west when she gets to missoula all the people going to astoria but you know you'll be hearing about stuff that you're about to see because i'm going the other direction yeah Maybe well that guy mike who did forty-two thousand miles he looked pretty weathered but you always <laughs> seem to look like rested clean well-fed happy Totally <laughs> hydrated. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that dude did look, he looked, you know, you, but, but he's, uh, everybody I see out here is, uh, how would I describe the people? The men and the women who are on these bikes riding are all, uh, what's the right word? Wiry looking. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't want to say fit because, uh, a thin person isn't any more fit than a, let's say a really muscular person. Yeah. But they're all, they're all just, uh, they're burning calories. They're active. Mm, yeah. And all of them, the men and the women, when you see all of them, they're like, yeah, you look like you've been riding for mm. months or a thousand miles or some of them 2000. Yeah. I mean, you and you and Dr. Gray are experienced cyclists and you guys were considering hanging it up when it hit, it was like 110 degrees out. So if, yeah, if it's that he, bad, they got to be in good shape. Yeah, I, yeah, no, he, uh, he needed, I think the best decision we made, you know, I said to him, man, there's a bike trail ahead of us and we're going to get off these roads. It turned out to be the most boring part of the trip, but it did get us off the roads because he was being affected by the, the traffic. He's now mm-hmm. seeing. I don't think it bothers him that trucks are going by your elbow. Right. Uh, and that he, would freak me out. And he got, we got to higher country and the temperatures went down and they're still down now. I don't know. We get to Kentucky, maybe it'll be hot and humid and that, that uh, demon will come back. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, sometimes you just have to press through the, get, get your, you know, get your feet on the ground, get a, mm-hmm. anyway, we're having a blast. Good. And I think psychologically, when you know you're four hours away from home, you know what I mean? You could almost call an Uber at that point and have somebody pick you up. It's actually true. So, you know, even if it is a little bit harder or more humid or whatever, I think. Yeah. You're in the the end stretch of the the whole thing. Psychologically, that I think that matters. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So uh, anyway, um, I appreciate everybody listening. Jerry Springer, uh, Megan Hills, and Gene Goblin are taking you out on, it's called the Jerry Springer Trio, down by the riverside. All right. Keep up the good work, Gene. Peace. Thanks, bye. Bye, everybody.